This sermon is brought to you by Shofar East London. Together, living out the fullness of Christ. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Doing all right? Okay. So good to be with you again. It's, a, it's supposed to be summer. I don't really know if it is. I've been here five years, but I'm still not ex- completely used to the weather, although it's enjoyable. But anyway, so but it's great to see you. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, Andre, Sonica, you guys are a blessing to us, and this is, feels like home when we're here, so we love being here, and it's always a privilege and a joy. My children knows the road to Shofar, so that should tell you something. All right, so, and uh, we're also very excited uh, for Daniel. Um, that, that he can be with us. So thank you for sowing a sun in some way. And now you've got an arrow in the ground there in the transkai as well with us. So come on. <laughs> All right. So Daniel is getting used to the long drops. He's doing well so far. He's doing well so far. So we had a great month with him. So anyway, I'm excited to share with you this morning. Um, uh, I know you guys have been busy with the Battlefield of the Mind series. And uh, Andre said, if I can, I should try and link on to that, so I'm going to do that, and my purpose this morning is really to stir, to stir your spirit and to trust God that something will stand up on the inside of you again, uh, that we'll see a lot more grit and determination uh, coming out of us in this season ahead, because everything has been shaken this year, um, and just when you think it can't get weirder, it, it, it does, you know, 2020, isn't it? Interesting. Um, so, you know, it's, it's like just this bizarre here in one way or another, but we have this promise in the Lord that even the wilderness can be a pr- place of fruitfulness to us. So despite the natural circumstances, despite what's going on in the natural around our lives, we can look different than anybody around us, right? We, we can live a different way. And we can be victorious even when it's not supposed to be that way, right? That's why we have a Savior. That's why we're called overcomers, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. In all things, He leads us into triumph. So it's so unfair being a Christian, okay? Because you're going to win. It's just so unfair to unbelievers and to the world around you because you are going to win. It's kind of part of your nature. It's inscribed in your DNA, the seed that you carry is an indestructible, victorious seed. You're going to win. Some way or another, it's just the way it is. And I'm not trying to psych you up. It's just the truth. It's actually the word of the Lord. Therefore, you are more than a conqueror. What's that? I don't even know, but you are more than victorious. So like there's first place and then there's you. I don't know what that means, right? But it really seems like we've got the upper hand. The problem is a lot of us, we're not living like that, and we kind of live out of a defeated, uh, deflated kind of theology and mindset, and it really is here, and it needs to move from this place to our spirit, to a knowledge in our spirit about who we are, about what God is saying over our lives, and we start living out of that place. So I want you to page with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. And um, I'm reading, uh, reading out of the Amplified, and it's the faith chapter. Yeah, beautiful, famous chapter, right? 
And verse 3 is just such a powerful statement. It says, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. The Amplified adds these words. Fashioned, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God. So that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea about what God did in creation, and that by faith God spoke and He fashioned, I love what it says, He, he, he fashioned, um, put in order, and equipped for their intended purpose everything around Him. So He framed the world. Okay? And I want you to see this picture of, of Genesis 1, and even before Genesis 1, how God spoke and He had an intention for creation. He had an intention for humanity, the one who sees the, the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning, that, that God spoke, and when He did, He framed, He basically set up the boundaries of the world. He set up the boundaries of life. He destined everything and put it in order, equipped it for their intended purpose, so that we can walk it out and see the purposes on God unfold on the earth because of the word that He has spoken at creation over creation, also over your life. So God spoke, and His Word literally frames, sets the boundaries for your life. That's what the Word does. That's why in Proverbs 18, 21, it says that life and death is what? In the power of the tongue. It's, what it's saying is that you are always prophesying. You are always busy prophesying over your life or over the generations to come. Because you are framing like God. Because remember this. If an apple tree produces apples, right? Amen? Dogs produce dogs. So what does God produce when He gives birth? Sons of God, that's what we always say. And it's true. But you are God-like. Okay? People don't like that. It feels like heresy, but it's the truth. That's why you need to be what? Born again. Because you're born out of the Spirit so that you can retake who you are, which is a splitting Im image of your Father. You are God-like in your essence. And church, we need to... Some of these things shakes our minds and our understanding, but it's time that we wake up and step it up a little bit in our understanding of who we are and what we're intended to be. Otherwise, we're going to have the same results over and over. But we need to step up into the image and likeness of our Father and become like He is, because that was the purpose always. Romans 8, 29, you were predestined into the image of who? Christ, who is who? God. The Son of God, but He is God. Why? So that you can retake what you always were, so that when you speak, you frame the world around you for yourself and for generations to come. So we need to step up and realize that when I speak, Proverbs 18.21 is not just a verse to help you not say bad things about people. It's a verse to help you create your world by speaking what God is saying. It's not just about don't say bad things. You shouldn't say bad things. But it's about speak into your destiny. Equip your world, equip yourself, equip your children and your children's children so that they can step into their predestined call that God has on their lives. Because why? If God speaks and He frames the world, what happens when I speak? 
I'm doing the same thing because I'm the splitting image of my father. Right? I was made in the image of my father. So I'm creating as I speak. I'm creating life. I'm creating a path for the future as I'm speaking. I'm doing exactly what he does. I'm fashioning my world. I'm putting my world in order. And I'm equipping it for its intended purpose. By what? Faith and speaking and therefore creating those things. We have to, in this season where things feel strange around us, something on the inside needs to stand up and we need to say, but this is not what the Lord said. This is not who I am. This is not what I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be in a different place. And it's not wishful thinking. That's not what I'm talking about. This morning I said, um, you know, there's a, you sometimes just have this knowing on the inside of you. You understand what I mean? It's like, it's not, a, it's not something you convince yourself of in your head or in your mind. But deep in your spirit, you just have this something that it just doesn't want to move. It doesn't go away. It's been there for years. It's not changing. And even when everything around you says, this is not working, this is not sensible, that knowing just kind of, it, it's stubborn. It doesn't want to break. It just stays there. And it's like, this is not who I am. This is not what's supposed to happen. God has something different for me. You know what I'm talking about? It's like deep in your spirit, there's just this thing that just sits there. And it's like, no ways. I, I see what's happening around me, but this is different. There's something inside of me that says, this is not the way life is supposed to be. Life is supposed to go in a different direction. You see, but the world, um, what we watch, Facebook, social media, our family, our friends, has this incredible ability to silence that knowing. To say, no, no, listen, what you have is what you deserve. This is who you are. This is, this is normal. But something, this thing on the inside, that is what God spoke that is what he fashioned, what he put in order, and what he equipped you for. And as that thing on the inside that doesn't want to go quiet because you know my life is meant for something else than what I'm seeing right now. That is what needs to come out of us if we want to fashion and frame our future, if we want to put it in order. We cannot bow and, and just listen to every other voice, but this thing on the inside, that is the incorruptible seed of God. That is the seed that Jeremiah had as well. Jeremiah spoke about it. Remember in Jeremiah 20, he got persecuted, thrown in a hole. Then he wanted to quit and give up ministry. I can so relate with him sometimes. Right? It's just like, I'm done. Right? And he's like, God, I'm finished. I love it because he's just angry at the Lord. He's like, Lord, I'm finished. It's like when I speak, uh, people experience my words as dread. He's like... I hate that, Lord. Why can't I be the popular prophet? That's basically what he's saying. Like when I prophesy, everybody runs away. But like when Isaiah prophesies, everybody's like thumbs up. Maybe, I don't know, that's what he was thinking, you know. But when I speak, it's like doom and gloom. I don't like that, Lord. And then he says, God, I'm done. I'm finished. I'm over. I'm not doing this anymore, right? I had enough. And then the next minute, verse 9, it's kind of like, it's exactly what I feel like sometimes. <laughs> verse, verse 9, he goes, it's like, I want to keep quiet. But there's like this fire in my bones, and I cannot but speak the word of the Lord. It's like I don't want to do it, but it's burning on my inside, and it's jumping out of me. It's that knowing. It's that knowing. 
And what did God say to Jeremiah in chapter 1? Before I knew you, I formed you, I framed you, I fashioned you, I put you in order, and I equipped you for your intended purpose. Before you were born, before you were in your mother's womb. You see, God framed His world. God framed your world with destiny. God has a word over our lives, and we know this, but that prophetic word becomes our weapon of warfare. 1 Timothy 1, verse 18 to 20. It says, use these prophecies as your warfare. And some of us so easily back down from those words, and we go, ah, oh, this is just the way it is. No, you have a prophetic word. You have a word from the Lord about your life. I don't care what's going on around me right now. This is what we're going to speak. And it's so important that we get that tenacity back inside of us to say we're not backing down from what he said, irrelevant of circumstances. Because this burning on the inside of us, this knowing that this is actually what's happening. He set the boundaries for your life. And he's looking for somebody on the earth to partner with him and do the same. Right? Go to Hebrews 1 with me. Just a couple of pages back. Hebrews 1 verse 3. I want you to see that. It says of Jesus, it says, He's the sole expression of the glory of God. Isn't that encouraging? He's the sole expression of the glory of God. Why? Because He's His Son. What are you? Be the sole expression of the glory of God. We should radiate. Right? We should beam. The glory should be shining off of us wherever we go. People must feel it. Because that's who you are. When people walked around Jesus, they felt something. That's what they should feel around us. Right? Then it goes on and it says, And He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. That's us. Upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe. By what? His mighty word. Of power. What a verse. It's, it, I, I keep seeing this picture of where God speaks and that word sustains everything around us. Every atom, everything that you see around us. It's like the word of the Lord is what upholds it. It's what keeps it together. And the minute you withdraw the word, everything collapses. Everything comes to an end. When, he's, when he says it's over, it's over. When he says there's life, there's life. When he says there's light, there's light, there's light. But when he says it's over, it's finished. But the minute you withdraw the word from creation, there's nothing left. Because what did he do? By faith, he framed the worlds. So the, world, the word guides, it propels, it pushes creation forward. And it's doing the same in our lives. It's the word of the Lord that, that, that guides us. It's like a, a, it's like a railroad track, basically. And your life is on that track, and it pushes it forward into its designed destiny, what the Lord has for you. That's what the Word does. But that also means the atmosphere around us is thick with the presence of the Lord. Because His Word, the power of His Word is literally vibrating in this room, whether you feel it, whether you see it, whether you believe it or not. But it's the only reason that me and you are alive today is because His Word is still echoing over us. That's how close the presence of the Lord is now. Right now. 
That's where it is. It's like in the air, the word is upholding everything that's happening in this room. Everything that's happening in South Africa, the word is upholding it. Everything that's happening in the world, the word is upholding it. And me and you should become partners with that word. We should become the ones that says, yes, Lord, we're going to speak it over our lives. We're going to propel our futures forward. We're going to guide our futures forward by speaking God's destiny over my life. Too many of us bow to the pressures of life and we give in to what we feel. And we bow to our feelings saying, but I don't feel like it. I don't see it, and they, therefore it's not going to be. That is just not the way we live. Right? We live out of the word of the Lord. Man shall not live of bread alone, but of every word that is proceeding out of the mouth of God. The word sustains us, not our feelings. What I feel is irrelevant compared to what he spoke and what he framed around my world. And I'm framing my life according to what He said, according to what He speaks over me, according to what the Word destined, what the blood speaks. And I position myself in that place, and I'm determined not to bow to the right or to the left, but to stay on that track no matter what comes my way. That's the way we step into destiny and we break out of the bondages that surround our lives right now is when we become a generation who prophesies over our own lives. Who speaks over our own lives. Too many of us are waiting for a prophetic word or some prophet to come where God is saying, be your own prophet. Be your own prophet. Prophesy over your own life. Frame your own world. What is that knowing inside of you? Speak out of that thing and then speak bigger. Dream out of that place and dream bigger. Because he's the one who said, I'm going to do far above and beyond whatever you can ask or imagine. So even, because one of the things that South Africans are really good with, I've got a lot of American friends, and um, they've got their things, but here's the one thing about Americans. They don't lack confidence. <laughs> Amen. And one of the things they, the last two years, they kept telling me is, get out of your culture. Get out of your culture. Get out of your culture and get into the kingdom. Stop cowering. Stop being less. But rise up. You know what the thing is with a lead nation? If you're born in a lead nation, you act like you're a leader. You act like you own the world. Why? Because your nation does. <laughs> I, one time I visited there and I came back and I had a couple of dollars in my pocket coming to South Africa. Who knows, that's a really good feeling. <laughs> and then it's like, even if it was my rants that I took over, but I'm coming back with dollars, I'm like, man, I am, I'm on top of the world. My currency is kicking the behind of the currency of South Africa. Man, this is easy, right? And suddenly you feel like I really come from another world. I come from a higher place. And I'm stepping into this reality, and this reality feels cheap suddenly. Why? Because I have a couple of dollars in my pocket. That's why Jesus said, you're not of this world. You're in it, but you're not from it. You're coming out of a different reality, a different set of resourcing, a different level of prosperity. 
Why? Because our kingdom works by what you speak actually manifests when it's done out of revelation and faith. And when you have the guts to keep on pursuing it by faith, it's going to manifest. So our kingdom works on faith and speech. That knowing must come out of you. That confidence that I am better, I am better than what I'm seeing right now. Not because of me, but because of who's in me. And it's not a pride thing. We're meek, we're humble, all of those things, but we're not timid. My reality is greater than the one I'm seeing around me. And when we start living like this, we actually frame the future of generations after us. We start shaping the lives of our children and our children's children. I said this morning, the fight, the battle of the mind, you're not just doing it for your own comfort. You're fighting a battle so the generations after you will walk in freedom. You're fighting a battle so that the next generation won't struggle with what you're struggling with. You're trying to win this not for you, but for those around you for the sake of the kingdom. It's not just about me. It's about what is going to be left behind after me. What am I leaving behind in the world? And how am I framing and shaping the future of a generation that I don't know? Everyone in this room, we're the product of a generation that prophesied and prayed and framed our world for us. Whether you know it, believe it, or like it or not, it's true. Somebody prayed... Somebody prophesied, and that's why we're doing what we're doing. Somebody said, I want to see a generation go beyond what our generation has seen, and that's why we're sitting here today. Somebody shaped the current state of the church by prayers, whether it was 20 years ago or 100 years ago. But somebody got on their knees and they prayed. And we're walking in a grace. Yes, we're paying a price. Yes, we're doing our part, of course. But we're walking in the grace of a generation that paid a price in prayer through prophecy. Setting us up for a time like this. You were set up by somebody else's prophecies who partnered with God when God said, I'm going to frame your world. I'm going to frame Hank's world to do this and this and this. And somebody somewhere prayed and said, Lord, please send somebody that's going to do this. Please send somebody that's going to be a light in the trans sky. Please send somebody that's going to be a light in the schools or whatever it is that you do. You are stepping into the prayers of generations before you. Somebody framed this reality for us out of the heart of God, and we're stepping forward, and we cannot cower. We cannot stand back and just say, this is the way it is. We have to think forward and shape the world of generations after us. Think about it. Like Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, you know King Cyrus, right, the Persian king, and he was prophesied about him in Isaiah chapter 45, where, where God said, listen, I'm going to anoint this guy. They called him by name, Cyrus. I'm going to anoint this guy who doesn't know me. He's going to open the bars of bronze, bronze and the double doors, the gates of iron. He's going to open it up, and I'm going to use it to set my people free, even though he doesn't know me. And he's going to bring the treasures out of the dark places. And it's going to be so that you will see my glory. You know that prophecy, Isaiah 45? Beautiful prophecy. Guess what? That was prophesied 150 to 200 years before Cyrus was born. Think about it. 200 years before this guy was born, God calls him by name through Isaiah. 
So that one day when Cyrus suddenly arrives on the scene, a man that doesn't even know the God of Israel, Daniel goes running and he says, listen, I have this scroll I want you to read. There's a man 200 years ago that said this about you. Because my God spoke and he said there's a different destiny over your life than what you believe. You're going to set the children of Israel free. Imagine being Cyrus and reading that in that moment and going, what? Is this me? Is this why I was put on the earth? And suddenly you go and you realize your world was shaped and framed and formed and put in order by a God who is so mighty but knows everything before it happens. And he says, I'm going to use Isaiah to prophesy this guy into his destiny. So for 200 years from now, he will know who he's supposed to be. And he'll walk into that. John the Baptist. Right? Think about John. He's, he's born in, in strange times in the history of Israel. The Roman Empire is there. It's war. It's chaos. It's, it's politics unlike anything the world has seen. Right? He gets born, he's weird. I don't know why, I just want to wear camel skin. I don't know, mom. <laughs> I don't know, I just like locusts, mom. I don't know why, what's wrong with me? <laughs> right? I don't understand me, right? And he's weird and he's making a noise and he's shouting at people, telling them to repent. And maybe he didn't understand himself, I don't know, I'm just imagining. And then suddenly, he opens the scroll and he goes to Isaiah 40. And he reads verse... Three, and it says, Behold, there's going to be one crying out in the wilderness, and he's going to say, Prepare the way of the Lord. And suddenly he reads it and he goes, oh, This is who I'm supposed to be. I finally get me. And suddenly he steps into what God designed him to be the one that will anoint the king of kings. The one that will prophesy, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And Jesus said, this is the greatest prophet who ever walked. But somebody framed his world 700 years before he lived because God spoke. We have the privilege of doing that. The same thing happened with Paul. Acts chapter 13, he goes and he, and he makes this whole story about Jesus and he goes on and on. And the next minute he quotes Isaiah 49 and he says, but this is us, speaking about him and Barnabas. And he says, this is us, that I will send you as a light to the Gentiles. Same thing, 700 years before he was born, Isaiah saw it in the spirit and he framed it with his words and Paul steps into it. Somebody shaped history because they prophesied and they spoke the word of the Lord. Somebody stood up and said, no ways. Something is coming. I can see it. And by doing it, they put it in order. They fashioned it. They propelled it forward. They guided the world into a new direction. We have the privilege as believers, as sons of God, God-like beings, to shape the future of our nation, to shape the future of the generations coming. There's a, this prophetic guy, I had, uh, I'm not going to mention his name because you never know where people are <laughs> about stuff. But he had this dream, and, and I heard about it, and it so touched me. He said uh, he, was sitting, he was walking in this room in a dream. It was this wooden cabin, like a log cabin thing. There was a fireplace, and this old gray-headed guy with his wife was sitting next to the fireplace, and him and his wife holding hands. The room was filled with people, all ages, you know, young, old, just... The whole thing, and he knew it's a family gathering. 
fire burning and there was this big um, painting up over the fireplace, but he couldn't see who was on it. And he was looking from behind and, and he heard how this older people, this couple, they were sharing the family stories. They were just sharing the, the, the genealogies, and they said, and, and that, that one did this for the Lord, and, and that one did this for the Lord, and, and remember that uncle, that's what he did, and then the grandchildren, that's what they did, and, and they kept sh- sharing these rich, rich stories about what God has done in their family, and he kept sharing and sharing, and, and this man said in the dream, he started feeling so overwhelmed by all the stories. It was just so amazing. And the next minute, the old guy and the old lady, they look at the painting behind them, and they, and they go up and they say, and it all started with them. And when he pointed at the photo or, or, or the, the painting, the, the man could suddenly see, and he realized the, pe- the people on the painting was him and his wife. And they shaped generations because of the choices they made for the Lord. Generations was framed Because they stood up in the Lord and they said, this is not the way it's going to be. He came out of an abusive family, broken family, divorces, abuse, alcohol abuse. And they made the choice for the Lord and they stepped into that thing and everything changed because somebody started framing the future by their words and by choosing Jesus and by not bowing to anything else. And they shaped destiny and they shaped history. We are doing the same thing, but we have to step into that thing and say, God, we are framing it for generations. My family is not going to be this way. South Africa is not going to be this way because you said something different. You gave a different word over our nation. And we say, no, Lord, we're not bowing to this. Right? We're not going to say this is just the way it is and we're just going to keep going and, and, you know, not worry about it. No, God said something different. And we're stepping into that thing and we're not moving away from it. We're going to have determination on the inside of us. Everything that we are seeing in our lives at the moment, whether that's much or not, doesn't matter. But everything we're experiencing in our lives as a couple, as a ministry, as a family in the moment is things that God spoke years and years ago that we just didn't move from. When it got hard, we just stuck to it. We just said, Lord, give me grace to get through this, and He gave us grace. Whether that be finances or the work that we're doing or or our children or our marriage, doesn't matter. Everything comes out of prophetic words that the Lord gave. I have a pack of prophetic words on my desk. She has it on her phone. And every now and again, when life gets hard, we go to those words and we just go, God, just remind me again, what the heck am I doing here? (laughs) And then you start listening to the words and you go, yeah, that's who I am. Now I remember. This is what you said. I'm not backing down, Lord. We're going to step forward. We're going to step into these things. Everything, cars, the cars that we drive, It is prophetic decrees over our life that we started making because we said, Lord, you said this is our purpose and our destiny, so you need to equip us for it. In the last six years, eight to six years, God's given us five cars. Five cars. We've been able to give cars away. We're missionaries. I don't have a salary. And everything, because we just didn't back down, we just said, Lord... This is your work. This is your destiny. The bike is not working anymore. 
The family has grown now. Help, please. You see? And he adds the resource. He adds the provision according to this word that he framed for your life. There is provision in the picture that he framed over your life. Irrelevant of what's happening around you. If Abraham can prosper in the desert when Lot picked the best piece of land, then what is your excuse? What is my excuse? Because what is in you is indestructible. It is fruitful. The seed that we carry is destined for one thing. Be fruitful, multiply, subdue, and have dominion over creation. That seed is in you. You cannot change it even if you want to. It's not your fault. It's the king of kings. It's the creator of everything that put that inside of you and said, that's who you are. Prosper wherever I place you. And you say, oh, but it, don't feel like it. Have you seen my surroundings? Have you seen mine? <laughs> we can compare all day long. It's not about that. It's about what did he say? What did he speak over you? And what are you speaking over the next generation? What are you breaking off? Poverty, lack, anger, depression. Those things that you're winning, you're beating it now. You're beating it for a generation to come. You're framing a world for somebody that you don't know maybe right now. But as we step into the Word and we say, God, I'm not moving. That is where you see the power of the Word. Psalm 105, verse 19, it says that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. The promises of God will test you. It tries you. It shapes your character. Because listen, when you're in prison, like he was, then it's kind of hard to see your brothers bowing before you and your dad. When you got falsely accused, it's kind of hard to see yourself as the beloved son, the favored one anymore. But he stuck to it. And he said, God, I don't know how this is going to happen. But you spoke those things because God framed these words through those dreams. He framed it. So that when you're in prison, you can go, this is not right. I, I know I'm here, but God said something different. This is not, that doesn't fit. What's up with that? And not, our oh, false prophet or pizza dream. No. God spoke. So, Lord, your word and my world is not fitting right now. So, God, I'm contending by faith for what I'm not seeing, and I'm calling that into this reality. I'm saying I'm not moving. I know that I know that I know this is who I am. This is my destiny. That's what needs to stand up in us in this hour where many feel defeated, many feel deflated, whatever it might be. And we stand up and we say, no ways. God has a different thing for us. I, I told the story this morning. I actually forgot about it, but it's a friend of mine. He's got a church in Cape Town. Great guy. Um, we've known each other for, I don't know, many years. 11 years. We were very poor together in the beginning of ministries. Then they didn't have food. Then we had a little, and we kind of went through life like that for the first couple of years. And then things started changing after years, right? But we both pursued the same thing. We both pursued the power of God. We wanted to see Him move. But it, amazing story. He says he's sitting in a service one day, and he, he's, a, he's afraid of nothing, this guy. He's just like, 
literally, he's just, I mean, you can ask my wife. He's just not afraid of anything or anyone for that matter. President, not a president, doesn't matter. He's just like, whatever, you know. And um, he's really funny in that way. So he's sitting in his service. He's not a guy that studies revivals or anything like that, but full of the Holy Spirit, full of miracles. And this guy's preaching at the church, and this guy starts speaking, and he starts speaking about this revivalist of the past, English revivalist with the name John Knox. Have you heard about him? Yeah. Right? He's a reformer. You know, and, and, the, the, and, and this guy is preaching, and he speaks of John Knox. My friend hasn't even heard of him before. And when the name John Knox is said, he says literally it's like there's something in his spirit broke, and he just started weeping and groaning. And he's just like, what in the world is going on with me? He doesn't understand. He has no clue what's happening. And he says, he wa- I mean, he's the pastor at the conference, and he's just, he's undone, and he walks out of the service, and he goes and sits in his office, and he's just crying. He's like, what in the world just happened? What, who, you know? And he picks up the phone, and he phones his mother or his grandmother, I can't remember the details, and he says to them, Mom, I just want to know, who is John Knox? And he says, when he said it, his mother starts weeping, and she says, I forgot about this. He says, John Knox is your great, 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 great grandfather. And John Knox wrote a letter to a generation, three, four, five generations after you, and he wrote about a man that will stand up. He wrote about a man that will stand up in the anointing and in the authority that he has. And he will shake the nation and he will be afraid of no man, just like his great, 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 great grandfather. And he heard it and it's just, the floodgates just opened and he said, finally, I understand something. Someone framed his world. Somebody saw into the future and they said, this is who you're going to be. You're going to be different. We have the privilege of framing the world for generations to come. Imagine sitting in heaven 50 years from now, 100 years from now, or two days from now. And you sit in heaven, and time doesn't matter anymore because you're out of it. But you keep watching from that pavilion of faith, and you see a generation that's rising up in what you prayed and prophesied. And you realize, oh, I always thought my life is meaningless and useless, but suddenly you sit in heaven and you realize, oh my goodness, I prayed that person into his destiny. I didn't know who I was praying for, but look at him go now. And that's your reward. You framed the world. You framed generations of future to come, right? We have this incredible, incredible privilege to frame our world through the prophetic decree of the Lord. That is, why, uh, that is why the war in America at the moment is important. It's a spiritual battle. Irrelevant of which, so I don't even care about that. You have to see the spiritual significance of what is taking place right now. And it's affecting the whole world. You can feel it. There's destiny spoken over South Africa. And it's being challenged day in and day out. And either we can speak death 
or we can prophesy what has been prophesied for generations about our nation. We can agree with hell or we can agree with heaven and say, Lord, even if it's not us, it's going to be a, there is a generation that's going to see that happen. We're going to see that revival. We're going to see that fire that's going to go all the way back to Israel and Europe and bring the gospel there. We're going to see South Africa as the breadbasket of the world. We're going to see South Africa as a nation of revival, a nation with no racism. That's the prophetic words over our, over our nation. It was prophesied we'll be one of the first nations, two things, the first truly Christian nation in the world. And secondly, a nation with no racism. That was the prophecies from the 90s, right? So we can partner with the politicians of the day or we can partner with the Lord and frame that thing into reality and say, no ways, this is where we're heading. Whether it's my generation or the next or the one after, I don't care. God, you spoke it and I believe it because the word of the Lord is sure and it's steadfast. Too easily we say it was a false prophecy. Or, ah, maybe someday, I don't know, maybe they missed it. We need to man up and say, no ways. We're standing. This is what the Lord said. Sure. This is what the Lord said. Thank you for listening. Find more on Shofar East London's podcast channel. Let's do life together.